0: Sorry, sorry. Hey,
1: welcome to uh, Shop Talk, episode number 21. I am Caleb Hart. He is Shane Smith. He is Ryan Cully. You all are true friends to the crown. Dilly dilly. <laughs> dilly dilly.
2: I, I don't want any part of that.
0: It's too bad. It's my favorite. I don't even know what that is it's or a, what it means. It's a Bud Light commercial. Oh, now alcohol on the show. Really, Caleb? <laughs> You know, this is Root. a, <laughs>
2: this is a non-drinking here. show, and I find that wrong. <laughs> so,
1: so a couple of guys, you've seen the commercial, right, right? No. Okay, couple of guys, so medieval times, guy comes up, brings a thing of Bud Light to the king and the princess, he goes, sir, whatever, you are a true friend to the crown, and then raises his glass, and goes, dilly, dilly, and then the entire crowd goes, dilly, dilly, and then somebody else brings up another Bud Light, and he's like, you have been a great friend forever, dilly, 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 dilly. then the third guy brings up, and the king goes, what is this? And he goes, this is a honeymead wine that I've been really into lately. He goes, please go with Bram for an exclusive tour of the Pit of Misery. (laughs) And then the guy, there's a guy off to the side, goes, Pit of Misery, dilly dilly. (laughs) Pit of Misery,
2: (laughs) dilly dilly. All right. I think I think Caleb's done playing with his dilly dilly.
1: <laughs> well, you're <laughs> the ones who wanted to talk about the age thing tonight. I'm just moderating. <laughs> so I was getting my highlight of the show out of the way early.
2: <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, we're actually, we're going to talk about, um, uh, Ryan and I are going to discuss what age we think is appropriate for someone to
1: start racing. Being, being is that none of us got any racing done this weekend. We had to come up with artificial
0: topics. Listen, well, you speak whoa. for yourself. I raced all sorts of stuff this weekend. To My the dog fridge and back. <laughs> 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 My heart race. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I mean, I tried to race something. It didn't work because, you know, weather sucks, but that happens. I'm going to a race this weekend. Are Ooh. you going to win? Oh, you're going to Tulare? I'm going to Trophy Cup. Are you going to all three ever. nights? Yes.
0: Ooh, Fly so out
1: Thursday morning ish. So.
0: Like late Thursday
1: morning. Uh, actually, I thought it was like a six a.m. flight. That but sounds terrible. Yeah, that's do when that. I had a. That's when I had a connecting flight in L.A. So now Ooh. it's a straight through flight, and it's like an eleven o'clock flight. So it's okay, been a it's long time morning.
0: since I've been in the the airport in L.A., but I remember it was big and terrible.
1: LAX is one of those airports that everybody has always told me sucks. I've
0: I don't always flown out of
1: flying into LAX. Um,
0: I used to
2: fly down to Ontario for training. It's about forty five minutes outside of LAX. Okay, and there's no one there.
1: Perfect. So they use better. Actually,
2: and that airport shows up in like a ton of commercials too.
1: The last time really I was weird. in like, Southern- I've seen like
2: three different commercials with it. In.
1: The last time I was in Southern California, I flew to Long Beach, and it's a tiny little small one that was very unbusy. <laughs> what you Where does that, that sound <laughs> familiar? <laughs> Anyways.
0: You want to talk about non-busy uh, <laughs> <laughs> airports in California as long as we're here? Arcata, California has an airport, and uh, its security is basically just a counter that a guy stands at, and he says- Fly safe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. So okay, we had this to, is yeah. weird. I'm watching us live on Shop Talk Live. Yeah, it's weird. Huh. <laughs> um,
2: so we had a poll up. Uh, we put that up this weekend, maybe? Uh, yeah, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, and we we had a couple different uh, uh, guys could, could jump on there. And could you turn your volume off, Caleb? No, <laughs> I'll just turn the phone off. God. <laughs> Um, we wanted people to vote on what they thought was a good age for people to start racing. Uh, we had a few options, 4 to 6, 7 to 12, 13 to 15, 16 plus, or
0: whenever they ask. Caleb just got a new phone and he can't figure out how to make it work, uh, other than the fact that he can make it like really, <laughs> really loud.
2: Um, Apparently so- he's got it working now. Got the, the the sound turned off. We're, we're all set.
1: Dilly dilly. No, <laughs> no. Oh, fine. I'll stop watching us on live.
2: So I think first, let's go around and, um, you know, I know uh, Ryan and I talk about this discussion. Caleb, you know, feel free to jump in with with yours. But um, why don't we go? Why don't we start off with um, everybody's opinion on just the age they think is appropriate.
0: I think we should start with Caleb. Start with Caleb. Mostly because he's not gonna have a, a boatload to say in the, the discussion. Well he might. I don't know. It's like as a, a guy who raced seriously, like
1: for his first time ever at age thirty three. At thirty two, but yeah, that that's I got a really late start. Um, I don't care what age you get your kids into quarter midgets and in the lower divisions, so long as they're competing with kids <laughs> they're like age. If you're starting your kid up in an upper division, like a sprint car of any kind, they need to be able to have an adult conversation with an adult if that needs to happen. So if you are put your kid into a late model, dirt sprint car, anything in which you are racing for money against other adult people, you need to be able to handle yourself like an adult. That's going to depend on the maturity level of the kid. I would generally say 15-ish 15, 16, 14 in some extreme circumstances depending on the car and the division if if that's what you're going for. So that's where I come in.
2: Okay, and I do have a couple comments. We'll, we'll get back to that. Um, my opinion is, is start them as early as, as you can. Um, I don't think you overdo it. You know, Maybe you're not racing every single week and traveling to every place in the world. You can go race a quarter midget or go-kart or whatever
1: app but I I think you start them very early in the in the four to six range Um, question for you guys Um, what was your youth sports experience (laughs) did you have youth sports experience Ryan I know this answer but why don't you tell everybody anyways
0: oh no
2: you first same okay Um, I started racing quarter midgets four and a half okay Uh, I started playing hockey
0: at uh, five okay
2: And played a lot of golf and I believe like one year of
0: T ball. (laughs) Okay. Ryan? Oh, I also played a year of T ball or maybe half a season. I had a real like eating dirt problem. But (laughs) (laughs) which is still an issue. We're working on it though. We're working on it. (laughs) That's why I leave my visor up. Um I and I think I played soccer for a little bit and then like I don't everybody played grade school basketball, so I played grade school basketball, but like very, very little. Um outside
1: of coat outside of playing youth sports i did the gamut right i did soccer in the fall i did baseball in the spring i did basketball in the winter so i did everything i could get my hands on during that and all team sports too i did all team sports and me, that
2: let me let me elaborate on my hockey's i um i played year-round um especially like through high school it was four to five times a week
1: okay year-round i mean okay. it was pretty that's a lot of that's a lot of hockey right it, it's yeah it's, it's a s- pretty competitive hockey it, very much so um so having played all of that and then got into and playing sports up and into high school as well. Um, And then once my high school playing sports was done, I got into coaching sports. Um, I coached youth basketball for four or five years. Um, First and second graders, third and fourth graders, young, young kids. I think the focus on youth sports needs to be on having fun and not being in being competitive not being in being the best at what you're doing. You should be learning the skills of what you're trying to do. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I care, I cared less about winning and losing with those kids and more about the fact that they had a good time that day than anything else as the coach of that.
2: And let me throw something out there. This is kind of what, what I wanted to touch on. Um, and why I like starting people or starting kids at an earlier age is I look at it, if, if say, you wanted to get somebody at the, at the age of 10 years old into quarter midgets. Okay. They're going to be jumping in there with kids that have five years of racing experience, potentially. Okay. And I, I worry that, you know, when, when you get a bunch of five-year-olds out there, they, aren't, they won't remember where they finished. They won't have any idea. It's very easy to to make sure they have fun sure if you start them later on and you've you know they're not up to speed mm-hmm. which some kids could jump in at 10 years old and, and go out there and win and i have any problem right but you're putting them with the ability to be handicapped already yep and and that's that's one of my reasons for starting them early on and i'm not saying go out there and like i said run every race but even if you're just they're used to it. Maybe run ten times a year, type of deal. Sure, it's just something they they know. How do you feel about participation awards? Hate them because because that's not how the real world works.
1: It's not. Um, do you want a five year old to feel like somebody? The, there are there are there is a time and a place for it. Okay, right. I like that
2: answer a uh, lot better. Novices and quarter midgets. Everyone's a winner. Sure, absolutely. You okay. know. Um, although I'm pretty sure Doug Roots tried to set the track record with Kenny by
1: like super cheating. But well, that's what Roots Racing does. <laughs> we set track records.
2: <laughs> um, but no, I, and but at that age, that age you can do it at. Like I said, th- mm-hmm. these kids aren't gonna really understand the entirety of racing. Mm-hmm. Um and so they're not gonna get discouraged now as much.
1: D- uh, they're gonna be depends like, on depends on how they're being parented. But that, that can be said at any
0: age. Right. Very true. So, so then, then you don't necessarily need uh, a participation award because we were asked to go uh, to the Skagit Quarter Midget Association and, and hand out an award um, on behalf of a series, and we didn't uh, because I... I don't believe that just because you show up somewhere and participate in something that, that you should get recognition for doing that. And I understand that these are kids, but, uh, I also, and and I started racing when I was 11. So I was a little older than that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and we didn't win ever. I've been terrible at racing since I started. Um, but, uh, I, I raced with my dad, um, who among other things, like worked with me on setting my own personal goals and my own personal best. So it wasn't necessarily that we were going to go out and win this heat race or win this main event or set quick time. But if we could, uh, when, when we started out, dad just wanted five solid laps at a time. And, and that was a win to us. That's what we defined winning as. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to put your kid in a car at at five years old, I mean, um, he doesn't need a trophy at the end of the day from everybody, as long as whoever's there helping him or guiding him being his, his parent or whatever sets a realistic goal for that kid. I mean, I don't think that it's a series or a group's goal to build this kid's uh, character. I think that's why the parent bought the car, put their kid in it, and brought him to the racetrack. And if the parent can't do that on their own, then they need to like, look inside themselves and you know, figure out how to make their kid feel like uh, a winner.
1: Take a, take a little walk for some perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my next question to you guys in this whole at what age should kids race is why do you race now? Uh, th- that that's very broad but it, it is <laughs>
2: and, and that doesn't make it difficult to answer but um i i i enjoy beating people at stuff okay i enjoy mm. competition competition
1: is what's to, fueling to you. a
2: huge extent i have a ton of fun and i love the people that are in it okay and even if i wasn't racing i would somehow be involved in it okay but it, I, i'd say for me it's competition
0: right I can't sing, I can't dance, but I've been removed from most fine dining establishments. It's the only place that'll allow me to come around and be. No, Um, I like racing. That was really loud. Uh, I like racing for a lot of reasons, though. Um, And shoot, I wish I had what Ray Underwood uh, said, and I'll circle back around to that. But uh, there's like this, this man versus or like meets machine thing that cut, like – you can be good at throwing a football, right? And mechanically, the football's essentially the same every time, uh, barring weather conditions and stuff like that. But you have that inside racing. But inside racing, you have to get the car right, the driver right, the track right. And then you're racing basically, you know, you're competing against, you know, 18, 25 different. Throwing an element of luck and you've got a whole lot of different r- things. Right. And no show is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you could You could start the same main event um 25 different times and there'll be multiple different outcomes right right some people just have it some nights but i mean every time you go anywhere it's different all the time and you can um you could there's the same type of car but you can race it across multiple different series get different uh talent level and stuff like that and it's it's as much about being good on game day as being good inside the shop and it's one of the few sports where multiple people come together to put their faith in one person, one machine uh to to do a job. I mean this last season I traveled with uh four really talented people um that put me in equipment to race and they the only um input they had was to get the car ready and get me ready to go drive and I mean that's that's a skill in and of itself, right? To get sure. somebody ready to to go do that right,
1: so i want to uh I want to circle back to something that I think you guys both kind of hinted around, and one of you used it in the actual sentence but but i want I want to get back to it. I believe that the reason that any of us have a hobby, which is what this is for us, this is a hobby it's not a prof- well it's a profession in my case, but in a weird roundabout way right yeah, but when I raced, when I had a race car, right, um the long and the short of it, for whatever reasoning it was. But the reason I had a race car was because going fast and making left turns was fun, right? Whether it's the competition aspect of it, whether it's the man versus machine and the random how can I conquer this problem factor of it, to me, it was fun. It gave me something to put a smile on my face and something to look forward to at the end of the weekend, no matter how frustrating that shit got sometimes. And dear Lord, last year I was ready to kill people at times, as all three of us have been over the course of the time that we've kind of been doing this together. But fun is the key word. And and I've had horrible weekends
2: and still come away like... We're going to get it better next week. And that was fun. And you come back to
1: do it again. So circling all the way back around to the very, very beginning of it, right? One of the beauties of racing is I believe there's a lot of different ways to have fun. I would, as long as your kid is capable of having fun at the track and you're capable of having fun with your kid at the track, I support you going out and racing. Now, if there's a circumstance that you're putting your child into in which they could potentially not be having fun. And the scenario that I've always brought up on this and with related to age is when should you be racing something and when should you have? And this goes back to the adult conversation things. Okay. Shane, you're in your early 30s. Uh, let's pretend all of a sudden that we found a 410 for you and put a sprint car underneath you and went to take you out. Take you out racing at Skagit Speedway for the World of Outlaws, okay? okay? Uh, and this is going to be an expensive venture for you and I and whoever we're getting behind this okay. this whole deal, okay? If you go out and get torn up on the first lap by a thirteen year old driving irresponsibly, you're going to want to go have a conversation with that thirteen year old, absolutely, about the fact that they just ruined your fun, right? They ruined your fun. They ruined our, my fun. They cost us a bunch of money, and now we're not going to be able to go have fun again. Okay, I'm not. If I'm your car owner, I'm not going to stop you from going to walk on, walking over to that 13 year old's pit area and let you have your word. Right. The problem is, is that I don't think that 13 year old is going to be emotionally equipped to have a conversation with you as a man, or, even or a woman or whatever. Right. Gender non specific. As an adult, that person's not going to be ready to have a conversation with you as an adult. If you yell at them, you are going to ruin their night.
2: And and so I've done a lot of racing with when there have been minors and and adults. And I have come across situations where I had a kid who was 16 and just nailing the back bumper of my cart. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't because I was slow. It was because I didn't hit the person in front of me. And once I got by the person in front of me, I took off and never left him again. We pull off the track, and he <laughs> happened to pull in right behind me as we were about ready to cross over the scales. And I simply looked at his front bumper and go, you think that thing's okay? <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, I have his dad in my face yelling at me. for, yep. And it was, and, and I hate those situations. Um, and and it's, it's an unfortunate thing that... And so this is kind of a a little off topic, but I'll bring it I can bring go it all it. back around. We got a
1: long show still.
2: But the the minimum ages of motorsports has dropped significantly. Oh, big time. Um I mean you can okay. At nine years old, what can you race? You can race an open cage cart, I think.
1: I could you can w- go practice a sprint car. I couldn't walk into the pit area of Wenatchee Valley Raceway until I was sixteen.
0: And it used yeah. to be that way everywhere. Now yep. you've got kids running around pits like Everywhere. There's have, just babies in the pits. Yeah. Which Buddy Kofoid like, was a it's,
1: sprint car champion somewhere at age 12.
2: Uh, and I wanted to bring him up um,
1: because he I said one consistent thing about Buddy Kofoid now for four years. Gets 15 Buddy? going on 16 now. Is it Buddy? Michael, Michael M- Buddy Kofoid. M- oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I've, I've never heard the nickname. From go the on. very beginning. He's too young to be racing sprint cars. Well, and so- and, and Now be, is the first- This would be the first or second year that I would- kind of going eh.
2: well here's i want to throw something at that really quick
1: um he's
2: got four king of the west um uh, four ten wins this year yep um he also has and he is always a he he does his own setups uh, the kids good so and, and yeah. i want to well, say that that's a little bit different i i have had no personal interaction with him mm-hmm. um i don't care how good of a driver you are at at that age it comes down to your maturity level and how you handle situations that could potentially end poorly and unfortunately not that it's saying adults are perfect at that because I myself have proven that wrong Shh. but you know when you get these young kids and he is still a kid oh. when you put them in those situations they have to
1: have that certain maturity level to react properly our our most prominent sanctioning body in dirt racing the world racing group World of outlaws does not let you compete with world of Outlaws sprint cars until you're 16 years old Yep. They cost themselves cars this, or drivers this year by not allowing 15 year olds to compete in California. Gio Selzy and Buddy Kofoid sat on the sidelines for probably eight World of Outlaw shows in
0: California this year because they said 16. Right, but 15 is little to be driving a 410. And I'm not, you guys are talking about the maturity factor, but you are 15 physically tiny at 15 years old. Well, I don't know, I was pretty much fully grown.
2: <laughs> when I was 11 years old, I was 5 foot 9 160 pounds.
0: I sprouted
1: it's it serious, I sure. I sprouted <laughs> so, okay, it 13 so, or 14 and quit right. growing But that. he, he but, is. but but but, but
0: tiny. A, yeah, at at a, a normal 15 year old, okay, not Shane Smith's freakishly giant 11 year old, right. is really small to be in a car like that. And and we're talking about uh, a not fully developed body that we're putting something that... No, the, that's science. Science at 15, your okay. your brain is not fully developed until 25. That's a that. fact. Well, okay. So, so some of us never. Right, right. Some of us never, but it, it's done growing at 25, gotcha. right? Um, that's why if, if you look at a lot of drug studies and stuff like that, marijuana stops affecting your brain at 25. Um, that's why drinking uh, ages are right around... Yeah, that's a fact because your brain's done... Uh, developing. You guys can look this all up. It's, I'm not, it's science. I'm not, I'm not questioning it that. I, just,
2: I have a so, comment that I okay. So what so what I, what I mean, was thinking what about I'm that is, smart-ass. and just
0: opted not to. So. What I'm saying is, if you think about it logically, and there's not a whole lot in what we do that that, that makes a whole lot of sense, but to put a 15-year-old in a 410 with over 900 horsepower, if, if somebody looked at it logically might seem slightly irresponsible because the ramifications for what can happen in that car, um, there is a higher likelihood of damaging that kid forever than there is damaging somebody who's over 18, sure, who's a legal adult that can make their own decisions. And I'm not, I'm not judging anybody that, that does it. I'm not saying that Buddy Cole Ford shouldn't be in a 410. What, what I'm saying is for the purposes of this discussion, when you, when you talk about doing things like that, it is physically dangerous. So I want to, so
2: on that same note, and and I do agree with you, but I also want to throw in, let's throw in different aspects of that. Um, Rico. Yeah.
0: So, so I know that's an
2: outline situation.
0: Well, and and Rico's an adult and started racing after he became an adult. So whatever Rico does, um, to his own body is whatever Rico wants to do. So,
2: but, but here's, you want to talk about just the, the build of kids. uh, Look at, let's, let's take a look at, uh, uh, Harley white.
0: She's tiny. She is.
2: You know, she she's is. got the build of a thirteen-year-old boy,
0: right? But but her her body is fully developed. I
2: understand, right?
0: So even though she's small like a thirteen-year-old boy, she is not a thirteen-year-old boy. So her her bones are solid. Um, all of her joints are in place. Like the the physical phenomenon that happens as people grow into adults have happened for for Harley White. And beyond that, Harley White and Rico Abreu are over 18 and adults, and they can do whatever they want. What what we're talking about in this discussion is when should you start your child in racing? And that is different than a small person driving a race car. And it's different because of this, because until you're 18, you can't make your own decisions. As much as an 11-year-old wants to be a race car driver, as the adult in the situation, you need to decide whether or not that is a good choice for, for what you put your child into.
2: Well, I just want to say this, though. I, I'm I'm throwing them out there because they haven't always been 18. I guarantee, right. you know, I don't know Harley White's, you know.
1: Her- micros. She was in Micros till, I want to say, about 16, 17-ish, and then jumped into a two-barrel sprint. So our, our version of a sportsman, yep. right? Um, jumped into a two-barrel, ran a two-barrel successfully for a couple of years, and then has been 360 racing for the past I want to say three. So, I want to say three.
2: But, three but as a minor, she was still racing a full some,
1: size sprint car.
0: Right. Correct. But yeah. but uh, sig- significantly less power than a four ten. Uh, uh, it by was about a more
1: horse. responsible decision. Right. At the same time, I I do think that you could call into question there. Let's uh, I let's do, look at the speed right.
2: differential between a sporty and a and a four ten It's gadget Speedway. It's probably ten miles an hour.
1: Difference between a track record of nearly 12 flat versus a track record uh, of 12.066 versus a track record of 11 versus a, uh, I'm talking the 360. Cars that run on a regular basis. Okay. So a sporty is a 12.066 right now. The 360 track record is 11.253. So it's eight tenths of a second.
2: Okay. So oh. maybe so in, in that instance, you know, not even you know, that's a five mile an hour difference at the end of the straightaway.
1: At peak speed and average speed, yeah. right? It's uh, ten is probably at the most, right? Yeah. The track record for the for the four tens is It's either a ten six or a ten eight or ten, or a 10 six or a 10, six, seven. 53. Okay. Okay. Um and I believe when oh, when Pittman? Stewart.
2: Oh, the right, right, right. I yep.
1: believe when when John Gibson was talking about that track record by the way they measured it calculated it calculated out to an average speed in the mid 90s. Correct. So so if we just if we just go stupid and go 95 miles an hour, 85 miles an hour, 75 miles an hour. ish. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of the breakdown yeah. on that.
2: Um and and I remember if I remember correctly they at one point they had a radar at the end of the straightaway for the 410s and I think they were hitting about 125.
1: You got to scrub a ton of speed in the middle of the corner if you're hitting 125 at peak entry, and you're at the average laps down in the mid 90s. That's a lot of speed to scrub.
2: And and I don't know the accuracy of that. I'm just that's hmm. a, a number that stood out. And, okay. You know, um, but I'm just saying what I, what I wanted to point out is is honestly the difference between us putting somebody in a sportsman in a 410. I, if you hit a wall going head on, it doesn't matter. I mean that, that it's a that, that difference is very small.
1: You know. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I, at that point, I am not gonna, uh, I'm not arguing. Uh, more responsible yeah, decision. I'm not, am not, not necessarily scientist. within the realm of responsible still, but yeah, more responsible.
2: And so, you know, and, and let's, let's circle back and I, I just want to jump on um, minimum ages once again, because it, like I said, it's completely out of hand. Um, what is it uh, – okay, I want to run on um, – I want to put my kid in an Open 600 up at Deming. How old do they have to
0: be? Uh, 13 with racing – 12 with racing experience. That's uh, crazy. Right. I, I was racing – I was either – yeah, I was 13, and uh, Derek had raced for a year before me in the in the Open 600 series, so it was 12. Yeah. Um. um and, and they might have changed it now, but, I mean, that's – um, but that's nuts because once you race an open 600, I mean, you're there with adults, people that yep. that this is their hobby, this is what they want to do and you're you're gonna have to at, at some point, uh, racing an open 600 or a 1200, you're going to have to, as an adult, go have a conversation with a child. Um, and there's there's a couple different things about that that make it difficult um, because even though, Like, when I raced 600s, 1200s for my dad, I knew that we didn't have any money, and if we wrecked this thing, like, it was over. But I didn't understand, like, what no money looks like or what the ramifications... I just... I knew that we weren't going to have a race car to run next week. Not that it was also going to affect these other things in, in your life. Now that I'm adult and racing and paying bills, it's like, oh, man, if I tear this thing up, I'm also not going to have power at my house for a week. I better stock up on candles. It's race <laughs> season.
2: Um, so, I, and, okay, open cage carts, I think you have to be like nine to run an open
1: cage cart. Oh, that's scary.
2: Yes, it is. Because those things are finicky, and most grown men can't handle them.
1: They're hard on the body too. They very much are. Yeah. Um, you guys have both told me that you've never been more physically worn out than when you ran an
0: open cage cart. No,
1: no. In terms no, of no, no, sore. No. Nope. <laughs> Try no, a half no. midget.
0: <laughs> oh, I was gonna say that stupid KKT.
1: Oh no, you're just a. Just, uh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not like tired, but no, like actually physically. Dude, they bounce around
0: like nuts. But, they do. Um, it the open cage cart reminded me a lot of driving a 250. Um, narrow
2: power band,
0: right. And just the way that you like drive it in like crazy and you get all the way out of the throttle and then just anyway,
2: but, but so, and I want to circle back to this, um, you know, and it's unfortunate. Probably that's why I think cage guards are so popular. Um, right now is you can move up these drivers so quickly. You can, you know, a kid that has potential, you want to get them to that next step. It seems as fast as possible as long as they're comfortable with it. Okay. I mean, you know, somebody who has the money to do it does it. Right. And it's it's unfortunate because it's actually hurt of a lot of other um, forms of racing. Um, you know, quarter midgets used to kind of run all the way through it. Oh, right. Not anymore. You, no. You, you race them until you're like 10, 12, and then you run off to Deming, and you get a mini sprint or something like that. Yeah. And,
1: um, I can see that. There's not one over here. Ryan is looking for power. Ryan <laughs> need more power. Oh. Here, you can plug it into here. Um, this is a good choice. Insert tab A into slot B like shown.
2: <laughs> um, but okay, let's look at, uh, I mean, late models. There's some areas in the country that you can run a late model at, like 10 years old. Yeah, um, I've,
1: uh, I've seen them. It's,
2: uh, <laughs> and uh, once again, I think it comes back to maturity. Uh, but I think that, so here's my reasoning for getting somebody into the sport very early mm-hmm. is, is you can get them in there and you don't have to spend much money to get them into something.
1: Quarter midgets are relatively, relatively affordable to run on a week-in and week-out basis. You're not going to tear them
2: up all the time, especially at the speeds you're going at that young age. Yep. And it's a great option. Um, it's a great way to tell if maybe they have it or not. I know that's tough to tell from that young of an age,
1: but it gives you at least a little perspective. I it. think every step in the racing experience um, goes to... Splitting the field a little bit more and more and more. Correct. You know what I mean? Yep. It's um most everybody get, goes from quarter midget to a to a junior sprint or something else. Yeah. Most, right? Not as many go from a junior sprint to a restricted. Even fewer go from a restricted to an open or a twelve hundred, right? Well, so every time you make a step, not only does level of competition go up, but you also find out whether you have the desire to go, with, to to continue on and go further. And or, I have a comment. Do you want to go play football? And I have right? a comment on that after. after
0: yeah, well, and and it, and it's not necessarily... Like sometimes people just change discipline, right? Because Jesse Branham sold his two fifties and went legend car racing, and so did. Uh, Oh, that other kid I can't remember, and Chad Sinner went and did the same thing. So it's yeah. not so that they're leaving. Chase they're, Schmidt
1: got out of the got out of the opens and went to and went to run in pavement late models and
0: right, yeah. right. Sometimes they just go do something because once your kid gets old enough, you can go do what you actually want to go race. Right? Which sure. in the case of Tanner sure. Home, right? Tanner Home, yeah, yeah. They want to go race late models, and so he's old go. enough now, and yep. we're so, gonna go. Race you know,
2: late so models. I, um, lo- my racing background started racing quarter midgets at four and a half years old um, when I was nine or 11 or something like that started running a a 250 junior um we did that for two or three years not full-time because uh, my dad hated those cars
0: don't, they're ter- don't they're blame them. <laughs>
2: they're, they're, they're can I, horrible. Can I There's say still the 250s pe- are terrible? There are yes. still people
1: who miss the 250s, and to those people, I tell you, you're dumb. Do like, they, they remember? <laughs> I drove them and didn't like them. They're loud, oh. and they're smoky, and it was well, But spin well, no, every three laps. God, they were like the modified mean speed. Here's line. the
2: biggest problem with them. They were underpowered for what they were, so you had to drive them on the edge and try and get as much power out as you can. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have that like extra three horsepower, you weren't going to win. And Hashtag pipe
0: of the month. Yeah, oh, my God.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> I'm missing something there. Two, but Two-stroke two sto- dis- two pipe technology. Okay. Um,
0: it's constantly just, evolving in a bunch of it, it like, really smoke is. and mirrors. Um, oh.
2: It was actually much worse uh, with carts. Back in like the 90s, um, there was probably, no exaggeration, probably 250 different pipes. Made for wow. KT engines in the 90s. Wow. I what was just, it like in the 80s when Rick raced with Rod. <laughs> oh, they were on the pipe.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so I, I, and I think I ran one year of um, 250 senior at like 15 Dead. years old. I think it was like that. Um, we were still running the quarter midgets full time. Um, stepped into a half midget, which is quarter midget with a bigger engine. Okay. And I mean, some kind of some serious power for that small of a track. And I jumped into a four ten when I was sixteen years old. Ufta. that was you know, my my dad offered it and I wasn't gonna say no. Right, um, physically was not a problem. Um, they were actually easier easier on the body than a quarter midget. Sure. Then well then they've got midget.
1: power steering. Yeah, that's makes I remember
2: a big difference. The first time I pulled in, somebody was like, "I bet you're worn out." I'm like, "No, this is actually really easy." Yeah, right. <laughs> you're like belted in and right. Um, and and I can't tell you if I was mentally ready for it. I don't. I don't remember. I'll say this. (laughs) Setup wise we were not mentally ready for. (laughs) And I think that would have made a big
1: difference. Um All that seat uh, all that seat time that you accumulate over the years and years and years helps, but you're never really ready until you go out there and do it.
2: You know, and and that's the thing is like we had mild success a couple times, Mm -hmm. you know. Um you know We just, we didn't know how to set up the car, and it would have been completely different. Sure. Um, come main event time, we were fine early on. That thing was just as tight as can be. I needed clean air to do anything at all.
1: Yeah. Typical racing, that particular racetrack back then.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Right. I, me- I remember, you know, I had a heat race win where I put a straightaway on the rest of the field. Just because I was out front, and it was like.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. You know. Keep your right foot in it. Yeah. It was right? like this. Miss cool. the bottom, keep your foot in it.
2: Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um. But and that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't know if I was mentally prepared. Um, I don't remember though. But at the same time, I had had years of racing, and sure. my comfort levels and those were were fine. And and honestly, you know, remembering back, I didn't feel out of place. Was I? Probably. Should I have started at a, a lower level? Yes, maybe. Mm. I, I think so. But here's we also got to remember that people were spending more money running sporties at that time. Just in equipment. Gosh. I I remember um, Joyce Galeri, they they ran a Sporty around the same time. I think
1: it cost them like 30 grand that year just in chassis. I wonder how sportsman racing would have evolved if from the very beginning they'd been able to run parts and equipment that everybody else readily had available He's, like you're talking I, about been, the the i'm talking the about like big wings the steel wheels yeah. the steel body shocks, shocks. correct uh, i've heard stories of back the back in the heyday right like when uh when Rudines would come to shop would come to the swap meet right and sell all of their wheels from the previous season right yeah. those are all aluminum wheels every sporty guy who needs a cheap wheel to go out and you know, save the one that they killed on the wall, because you're gonna punt kill the wall fifteen times over the course of the year in the sportings back then, right? Yeah, give me this cheap, good condition used wheel, right? You eliminated an entire division from being able being able to buy good secondhand equipment in those shocks and wheels and wings. And that was expensive for A- those abs- guys. Absolutely. I think that's part of the reason that class was very much plateaued in the time frame where I first oh, started you coming bet. around Skagit. Because and people saw that it's like you know what we could spend a,
2: less money for our car, mm-hmm. and a little bit more money for our motor, go faster, probably have more fun, and race with better people. It's back
1: when a new three sixty well, was ten, uh, like was fifteen, twenty at the most. Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: you, like I think the best, the best four ten. Now, was now granted, grand.
1: granted, a forty was five, right? Uh, five to eight. Yeah, eight on the extreme end. But One, okay, you twelve easily, grand in, in.
2: Most guys were building their own. Yeah. You know, you, and
1: you could get away with having a junkyard motor too, Absolutely. right? Although, if you wanted to have a 360, you could still run a home built engine there and be a mid packer, right? You yep. didn't have to have an absolute killer all the time. Um, but again, readily ready availability of, of those wings and of those wheels, yeah. and right, and it's all stuff that you can't take with you. Got to find another guy to buy it if you ever want to move out, up, and out of that division, right? You know, I, th- I think we've gotten a little off topic
2: on it, you know, but just discussing the progression of things and, and how the path that people travel through their racing. You know, most people have, okay, we're going to do this. And then at this age, we're going to do this. I, I I think it's mostly predetermined. Um, and I think there's a lot of parents out there that even when their kids aren't ready, um, will put them to that next level. You know? Right.
0: Because that's what the parent's plan was, right? Well, we're going to be racing this by now, uh, which is something I, I super appreciate about how my dad did it. Um, because for us, it was always a hobby, right? Sure. So, and like, when I got ready or Robin got ready, that's when dad decided, okay, now we're going to go do this. Because if, um, like we had top, if two fifties were still around, but that was as good as we ever were or if we were as competitive as the Turner, like, and the Turners are an excellent example of running what you're good at, right. Or what, Absolutely. what you're comfortable with. Cause they, they ran and owned that two fifty division, um, until it died. And yep. and not not in a bat. That's what they were good at, and what they were comfortable running. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and it's I mean, Eric and Brandon have both shown that they're talented in all sorts of other, you know, types of race cars. Eric does phenomenal in the in the midget. Um, we got to watch him in a sprint car this year, it where he good. did a, a fantastic job. But um, back when two fifties were at Deming Speedway, and they were a thing, the Turners ran them uh, the forever, f- and that's what they did. The Actually, last couple of years, when it was Turners, Holtorf, and Spud. Those yeah. were
1: some fun those could have been those were some fun nights. The problem is the back half of the field went two lap spin, <laughs> two, lap spin two lap spin, two lap spin a lot. Right.
2: Funny funny thing about a 250, uh, one of the fastest people I
1: ever saw in a 250? Um, Michael Harris. <laughs> you know, Harry, for all of his natural cantankerousness, pretty darn
0: good racer. Actually had some has a lot of talent. And yeah. He had some really cool stuff. He he had a dual stage wing. Oh, I remember that. Right? Oh, yeah. and that messed some people up. Well, he had the front wing.
2: Oh, yes. And but he the always front he wing. said, nah, he, he always just said it. He put it on there for looks." <laughs>
1: but, you know, he but, would do that kind of thing just to mess with people. Oh yeah, but he had holes
2: kind of, drilled in like all sorts of panels. So yeah. like there was no extra weight on that car unless it made him faster. Uh, right. You know
1: that sounds like Harry. So yeah. yeah, but that was just for looks. So I want to I want to throw another something out to you guys and and now. I haven't completely thought this thought out yet, but go with it for a couple of seconds. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've seen the path, right? And the path used to be get into a quarter midget, a mini sprint, go USAC racing, then get your NASCAR contract, and, and you're up and going, right? Or get into a quarter midget, a mini sprint, go um, go sprint car racing, then get into a car, or go late model racing and get into a car, whatever it was, yeah. right? Casey Kane kind of pioneered that path, and he pioneered that path here in the Northwest. Right, get into quarter midget, mini yep. sprint, go get a sprint car, and now go get your deal. Right. Part of me thinks that we've corrupted a bunch of youth here in the Pacific Northwest with parents thinking, "Well, because I watched Casey Kane do it, this is the direction we have to go, and this is how I have to take my kids."
2: Okay, but but we have that one person. If you look let's look back at I mean look at Indiana. Okay. How many how many racers you know, I I mean my mindset is like if you're a parent at uh um (laughs) a parent in in Indiana, you're like, Well, we've gotta get my kid running to run a wingless four ten at the time he's fourteen, you
1: know?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean that's kind of uh
1: Sorry, we're looking through the comments. We can see comments. Right, we People couldn't before it was weird. They like us. They really do. Well, they're not saying that. Well, maybe they don't that. like us. Yeah, that, that's it. I didn't catch the scrolled up comments. Anyways, oh. continue. Indiana had a bunch of those kids who came up and through, and maybe, not necess- and maybe that didn't. But also, here's the flip side of that, right? Up until Casey, did anybody really try to make that path happen? You guys know better than me. I wasn't around for the Casey Kane years. I missed all of them.
2: I. That was a little bit before me. I so I never had that thought that I could make it as a racer. That was never instilled in me. Sure. Um, you know, we always had good equipment, but it was we we won a lot of races, but that was never the, the thing. I think I think it's happening right now. Um, Kyle Larson. Yeah, and out, it, out it, of and, California. And that's
1: all those cage carts. Yeah, with kids at nine years old running those things. Yep, and then they're trying to get into a four ten at age fourteen. Well, he goes right. You,
2: you put them in an in an open cage cart, then mm-hmm. you put them in an open 600, and then you put them in a 410. They're skipping the, the 600s. Some are, yes. some are, yeah, which
0: is nuts. Although they say that uh, the open cage carts, the 500s, have the same horsepower to weight ratio that a 410 does, and that's why it's a more natural transition.
1: Um, in n- some not, ways, not true. It has no well, suspension. Well, right. <laughs> Sorry, well, no, no, they're no. they're
0: different in a huge way. Yeah, no. If um, you drove a 410 the way you drive a cage cart, you would tip it over.
2: Um. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to say that a 410 is actually more controllable.
0: Yeah. With the power uh, steering and the shocks and the bars and all that suspension. They, you have they really Vos, are. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, it, an open cage cart is more driver dependent. Um, f- You're the top motors, the best of the best motors. Um, they will be 110 horsepower. And I think those carts are going to weigh 450 pounds, 450 to 500 pounds. With driver? Yes. Okay. So when you compare that to a, uh, a four ten, let's just say nine hundred horsepower or fourteen hundred pounds.
1: Hmm. Mm. Okay.
2: So I think there's a there's a responsibility factor that comes with speed, um, and here's one of the things I like about I like about a kid running um, running early um, in life at a younger age. Okay. Sorry, we just have some
1: little video we're well not only that we're uh, I'm uh <laughs>
2: it, it turned off the live oh. video
1: might die sorry guys um anyways so and but here's um
2: here's one of the things you know and Ryan touched on it earlier is is you become you become in control of a machine there comes a certain responsibility with that um it's like it's like handling a gun there is a responsibility that comes with with holding and shooting that gun. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Well, okay, as a racer, I am responsible for how I race that car. And if if you get somebody with a comfort level at a younger age with that, they know the limitations at a younger age.
1: Um, They know their abilities at a younger age. So let's let's take this into a broader, larger conversation. Okay. Um, Let's start out with, there are smarter people than me. Okay. There are smarter people than me. Are Would you, sure, you be Caleb? comfortable with a 12 year old driving with you on the highway up and down I 5?
2: I, okay. And let me say this, and
1: I'll say, I, I will say no. I realize I'm, I'm apples and, and, not exactly apples on this comparison, but I think it's close enough that we can that we can go there.
2: Okay, and I'll say no, and I'll say um, in a racing aspect, there's more control over what they can and can't do. I agree to that. Um, I had a point that I was just going to uh, uh, touch on, but... I remember You're the... thinking. It's okay. Yeah. It'll come to you. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's all great. Uh,
1: right. We're trying to get the live stream back <laughs> up and, 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 <laughs> so... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Hitting it harder and, makes it work better, Ryan.
0: Right. <laughs> that applies to life. Apparently, no matter but, how. But hard I think that's I been it, my biggest work. thing
2: is, um, and you hear so many people. Well, oh, that's what I was going to touch on. It's um, you can get kids into soccer at the same age. You can get them into quarter midgets.
0: Yeah. Um, but nobody's nobody, ever going to get their head kicked and play in playing soccer or <laughs> racing a quarter midgets. <laughs> yeah. but, but hold on, let's let's talk about
2: that. Is is it the chances of getting hurt? stupid Kevin Crump (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kevin just said at what age should you be allowed to go to try live video (laughs) never Um, I believe most of them I I see go 18 over (laughs) Um, right Kevin just turned 50 so I'm gonna say 50 Um, so but but let's talk about that is like if I wanted to if I said to somebody um, I'm getting my five-year-old into soccer nobody out there is gonna be like why so young but that could be dangerous blah 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 Whereas is, is you tell oh I'm going to get my son into racing at, at five years old they're sure. like what racing when honestly somebody's going to get hurt more playing soccer than or they're riding, riding their bicycle
0: down the street or yeah, this or that You can't completely There's, shelter kids from yeah. right 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 and and I guess so my, my biggest thing is like they're just little tiny people um, so like if your kid's not ready to do it and I guess that's what's the most important thing. I, and I'm not sure how you know whether or not your kid is ready to get in it. I'm sure as a parent, you just know Shane's the only one out of the four of us in this room right now that's ever like created a person that we're <laughs> aware of.
2: <Yeah. laughs> right. So and, and like I actually had a quarter midget before I was born. When my dad knew I was on the way, he happened to see a quarter midget at the Portland swap meet, decided to buy it. Perfect. Yeah, that worked out. So well. I, it was sitting on the, sh- um, did it that stay in
0: your, your room? It did not. It should have. I should have turned into a bassinet. <laughs>
1: that
0: <laughs> would have oh, been an oh, Quarter midget
1: bassinet. Oh, Neither either of us are ever spoiled uh, enough to have children of our own, quarter midget bassinets. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, or, or at, at least like, a quarter midget swing.
2: <laughs> and I will have. I will have a quarter midget um, at the age of five years old uh, for Taylor, my daughter, if she wants it. Um, and she has showed a lot of interest. In it, uh, Ryan. So when Ryan had talked about it, we went to the the Skagit Quarter Midget Club and we we're watching some races. And she was she absolutely loved it. Cool. She loved it. It was people near her size. Um. Right. And I, I will never push her to do anything because that's just setting it up
1: for failure Agreed. on both ends. I I don't think any of the three of us have a problem with quarter midgets and kids competing in racing against kids their own age, so long as they're enjoying it and having a good time with it, right? I I, I don't think any of us have problems. Basically, quarter midget through a junior sprint at this point in time, age range, because you're all competing against kids, at least relatively in your age and maturity level. It, it's everything else that I think is starting to draw some question marks.
2: Well, and I think that comes back to, you talking about maturity level, uh, I believe that comes back to, Um, my comment before about starting them at a young age. So they, they aren't coming into it fresh at 10 years old or so not saying it can't happen, but, but you give them that opportunity that, okay, even if they, maybe they jump up a division and and do the
0: junior sprint deal where there's going to be other kids that have never done it before.
2: Well, but well, um, let me say this is like, you've got a kid jumping straight into a restricted 600. And that happens Mm -hmm. and and a lot of a lot of them do just fine. It's not it's not that bad, but but what about that kid coming up through the junior sprints? Okay, this is just a little bit more car, but I've been racing for five years. There's a little bit um, a little bit more confidence to them Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more understanding of how things are going to work. And here's the other thing is, you know, I on a personal level, I wouldn't change everything that I've done. Because everything that I've done has molded me into who I am, um, and my experiences throughout life. Um, I've gotten so many opportunities to do things because of being in the racing community um, and starting at this young age. That I wouldn't change it. You know, who's who's to say? Like, if I ever maybe I started at, at ten years old and went and did two fifties, and and maybe I didn't have all that experience. And uh oh, when the two fifties died out, uh, I guess we're just gonna. We're gonna stop there. I'll, I'll watch from now on, you know. But since I started so young, I had all those years behind me. Um, I, I'm not afraid to jump in anything right now. If if somebody came up with me with a four ten, I said, "Let's do it." I, I would I would totally be down for that just because I know. Once again, I know me. I've been enough race cars. I get it,
0: and I think that's the like uh, for me the cool thing growing up racing. Uh, was getting to drive a new car like that um that first packing hot lap session a in the car for the next division like it's everybody remembers that yeah it's it's something that's like really really neat um and uh i i have no problem with with quarter midget racing or kids racing i mean i i grew up different uh doing it right at from 11 years old every summer i've been in something um And I just think that it's ironic that I'm here talking about health and safety and racing because we've all, I'm not one that when getting hurt in a race car, um, the last time I got hurt in a race car, somebody physically came and picked me up from work and took me to the hospital. Um, so like, I just, I think it's important that when people think about putting their kids in a race car, like they, they look back and look at, at everything that could, could possibly happen just because I'm dumb. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be, um, but, but ultimately like the reason that we do it, uh, lives inside, like it, it lives, lives inside your heart. and that's, that's how you make it as long as Caleb's been around here or Shane's been around here. Or I've been around here when, when Caleb asked the question earlier, like, what is it that makes you do this? And it's, it's something inside me at least that's really, really hard to explain. Um, I
2: I completely understand that. Right.
0: And so it's it's a lot about fast and left-hand turns, but it's also about every weekend night at any dirt track uh, across the country, when you get there, you're home. It's much uh, akin to the—this is going to sound really uh, weird—but in Catholicism, the mass is the same everywhere. So you can go anywhere and listen to it into the same language and know where you're at in it if you go to a dirt track anywhere on the planet of earth and you walk in you're home the people are all the same everything's the same and i think that's what makes what we do so special um racing's a religion
2: <laughs>
1: I,
0: I mean that's right seems like dirt
1: track groundhog day <laughs> might have to reevaluate life
2: um and you want to talk about injuries and stuff like that. Um my my worst injury uh racing uh came earlier this year. And, and right. Really it was not that substantial. Um Eh got your bell rung. No, my I don't <laughs> I'm not very You don't have though. enough
1: bells? I've had You have a singular I've one actually
2: though, right? never had a concussion in my life. I just don't get them very that has been diagnosed.
0: Uh, no, actually, I've, I found that the best way to not get a concussion is not go to a doctor.
1: I believe in that. You
0: see in double uh, and forgetting one for Percent down with so, that. Okay. I totally believe
1: <laughs> that I don't have a prostate, therefore, I don't need to get it examined. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good of logic. Right? <laughs> um, but no, but but growing up playing hockey, however,
2: um, that's when I really started to have back problems. is is an injury from when I was about fifteen. Um, I've been punched in the face a lot. <laughs> on purpose playing hockey uh-huh. well you got to remember at, at like 11 years old i was five for nine 160 pounds i was bigger than everybody jerk. my job was to hit people you were the enforcer yes Her. so as we got older i stayed the same size and everyone else got bigger oh my and they job all wanted to pay my, my, <laughs> my job did not change you remember when this guy was a jerk
1: yeah i'm six yeah. foot 240 now
2: <laughs> Woo. so i've had like i've had numerous people punch me in the face no concussions and symptoms from it whatsoever. I've had a lot of
0: hard hits. His left pupils just, it's naturally smaller (laughs) than the right.
2: (laughs) That's, that's a thing. No, 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 this eye doesn't follow you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I've never had that in, in in racing. I've never, you know, like I said, I've had, I've had some, I've had one very scary wreck in a, in a sprint car, um, where I was completely fine afterwards. Um, ribs were sore, but that's it. Uh, I mean, I hit a wall going head on.
1: I uh don't really have the bandwidth to talk about getting hurt in the car. Other than being a little sore, I've always been fine. Um and don't have enough ex- and don't have enough racing experience to really say one way or the other. You
2: know, it's interesting because but we go back to and I I this is one thing. It's it's tough for um it'd be it's tough for a parent to put their kid in a harmful situation. A- and that's at any age. Um and that's actually why um Shauna Wilski, um, she, no, um, stopped running for her dad, as her dad no longer wanted to put her in a car. Gotcha. She was incredibly talented, but he said, "I will." And this was after her big wreck where she broke her back. He's,
1: "I will." The first not, time.
2: Yeah, I will not put you in that situation
1: anymore. She tells a really interesting story about the time that she forgot her trip to Eldora. Forgot her what? Her trip to Eldora. Oh yeah, I uh, Ronnie Cox talks about that one too. Yeah, she lost about. In her estimation, about a week of her life in 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 her trip to Eldora that she doesn't remember. Yeah,
2: um, I remember. Uh, yeah, Ronnie. They went off to the hospital. Ronnie had to load the entire car
1: um, by himself. Yep, just junked. Yep. Uh, God, Kenny Jacobs pulled her out of that car, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So it, it it's and, and so I, and I have, scary
2: sometimes. Yeah, and I, I guess I have, and I guess maybe if you start at a young age you get to see a bit of that growing up and it becomes almost the norm. Ugh, yeah. You know, and it is, that's a stupid thing,
0: right? We're, there's I'm a
1: desensitization to well, it. And, that.
0: and there's people that you looked up to driving that that's, I mean, I looked up to to Rod Perkins, Tim Levine, guys that both have multiple back and neck breaks. I mean, just like, it was no no big deal, you know? Yeah. And, and when you're a kid, time travels so fast that, you know, Tim breaks his back this week. And then it seems just like the next week that he's back out there in a sprint car. And that's not the case, but I mean, Rod um,
1: lost years off his career at, uh, on the last wreck. The right. Last big wreck that he took, which, to there some other things like- uh,
0: which is super important to talk yeah. about though, because uh, Rod was running late to staging and chose not to put his Hutchinson on. And this isn't a, a it is a bad on Rod, um, but I'm not telling you s- would say that too. Right. Right. I'm not yeah. telling the story to shame Rod Perkins. What I'm saying is, there is no excuse to not put all of your safety equipment on. What do you think the odds
1: are that this year we can get the person that calls everybody to staging to go
0: drivers to staging dilly dilly? Probably not very high because I'm pretty sure it's Bud Ash's wife. It's Brenda. It's Brenda. I'll start working on that now. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, okay. And then let's, you know, we talk about, you know, broken backs being a regular thing. Uh, When I would grow up, Playing hockey, I've I've had a few stitches. Actually, just one.
0: I don't think we break as many backs as we used to with the with the advent of full containment seats and. and But here's the thing:
2: as the safety gun has gone up, so has the
1: speed. Right.
2: You know, I mean, my dad talks about the lap times they used to run in the modifieds,
1: and we're well, we're well
2: faster. If you're
1: grading on a curve, I don't think. Boy, this is a terrible visual without the video. If speed has done this. Safety has done this, I don't think so, safety has kept up with speed as far as it well, I don't think it- that
0: it can well and and here's the deal, right so um, I believe that the safety equipment to keep up with the speed is out there uh is are you able to to feasibly purchase it? No, not no. a carbon fiber helmet's like eleven hundred bucks to get a good one because you can buy a pyrotech carbon fiber helmet, uh but if you put it on the scale next to my terrible uh, like original Bell Dominator, the Dominator is lighter than the Pyrotech Ooh, carbon. Calm down, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm um, just saying this is a so, great show topic for
1: another time. Oh, that's where I'm going. We could, <laughs> I could go for hours on safety, and we've already gone an hour. And,
2: and we can definitely touch on that. And I think it's, but I think it's definitely, or, you know, I think it's also a big aspect to to moving kids up and and when kids are starting. Um, but if you get them used to the safety gear early on, I mean, I remember. From a young age, I was always taught we we use all the safety gear. Granted, I don't run arm restraints now, but
1: <laughs> that's because it's cost me more than it's helped. But it's there's <laughs> an actual physical problem with the way that most of our focus midgets are designed, in that a lot of us have to reach outside the cockpit. Agreed. Oh yeah, that's right? a big problem. That is a problem, restraint. and yep. that makes a that makes a gigantic issue on the arm restraint. I. Uh, picked up arm restraints in the middle of last year. This is safety. We can talk about safety some other time. Let's Agreed. talk about safety next week. How
0: exciting would that be?
1: I like it. Uh, okay.
2: I mean, next week it. or the week after whenever we decide to do it again, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, I mean, like I said, just, um, I'm just going off of my, my life. Um, and, and how things have played out for me. I, I will absolutely have a quarter major
1: for Taylor. Um, when she's of age and, and she wants to. When I invent a time machine, I'll go back to when I'm five and I will get me a quarter midget. And you will be forever known as the talented Caleb Hart at that <laughs> point. Doubt it. I don't think any amount of... Is
2: this,
0: is this closing thoughts time? Is that I what we're so. doing right yeah, now? I think right we reached good um, so consensus. Racing as a kid is a cool thing. The best piece of advice I got um, was from Bob Scott. And it was when I was debating whether or not to go to senior prom And this is like, if you're going to put your kid in a a race car, I was going to skip senior prom to go run a weekly show at Deming. um, And Bob Scott went out of his way to tell me not to do that simply for the reason that um, you will never forget your senior prom, um, but you're going to forget that Friday night at Deming Speedway. Um, So as a kid growing up in racing, although it is important and it's a thing to do, don't lose sight of the rest of life because there's a lot of growing up that has to happen. And there you can race for a long, long time. And there are three people on this. All, all three of us have proven that in one way or another. Um, true story. So yeah, I, all three of our experiences are, are, are different, are
1: different. Very different. Yeah. Well,
2: right. and, and that's what makes this conversation good. Um, yeah. I, I will say I did
0: skip dances
1: to go racing.
0: No, no, I, I, skipped, I, <laughs> I went to senior prom, is what I'm saying. I know. Um, I skipped those. I went to three dances.
1: I went to prom as a prom as a sophomore. I went to Tolo as a junior, and I went to homecoming as a senior. And for every one of the rest of them, I was at a racetrack announcing. Oh man, so,
0: I went to three proms. Um, I'm I, sorry.
2: I never. I went to a dance in eighth grade, and that was it. Um, funny story about me. I was not very social in high school. Yeah, are we in bizarro world? Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, like I really like I small small group of friends new kind of everybody, but did, you know, and I know the type. Yeah, I and the type. then I'd like moved away from home and yeah.
1: now well, I'm, I'm not social. At all. So I think we've given a lot of people a lot of good things. to Think about absolutely. And we'd love to, to uh,
2: please, you know, when we share this, um, you know, and we've got the live feed or what's what's left of it. I know people are still commenting on it. Um, give us your input uh tell us you know give us a little bit of uh of what your life experience have been like have been like um yeah. and how we you think hear. that uh um how that's affected you and, and what's
1: your opinion on it yes yeah. tell us how wrong we are or tell us how right we are yeah. or if it's somewhere in the middle tell us how wrong and right we are perfect yeah, If I like
2: caleb's it. wrong and the other uh, Ryan and well, I are I right i thought
1: that just
0: went without saying
2: no, no. I want to make sure it was said. Okay.
0: Dilly dilly. <laughs> so until next week, Shane Smith, Caleb Hart, the voice of Skagit Speedway. I'm Ryan Cully. Stay safe. Don't do drugs. I'm the boss. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Shop Talk. Shop Talk is a Crab Flake Studios production brought to you by Lewis Nutter Trucking, Subway, Paul Spencer Insurance, Highline Performance, Jerry Smith Chevrolet of Anacortes, Walker Racing Development, Five Point Media, and DLH Racing Products.